Equine Cut the Music. We are back. He's inside episode 11, our first official playoff edition. If you want to count the play-in, sure. If not, this will be number one. Usual crew, everyone is back. First off, breaking news, the return of that segment. Coach K retired about two hours ago. Originally, we were planning on film, or, uh, recording this yesterday on June 1st, but thankfully we didn't, so we can talk a little bit about Coach K and the new hire. Yeah, uh, Coach K is going to go down as probably the best coach of all time, him or Wooden. Um, I've been a Duke fan for a while. It's going to be sad to see him go. Uh, I think they couldn't have picked a better hire with John Shire return, or, uh, replacing him. However, he's kind of young. He's going to be a big step up for him in uh, responsibilities and things. But I think if anybody can like prepare a coach to like handle that Duke success, it's Coach K. So I'm hoping he's going to – or John Shire will be able to step right in. And along with that, you just have to realize that that guy was the main recruiter for Zion and Jason Tatum and a bunch of these other five stars. So in terms of recruiting, it shouldn't hurt anything too bad. These are the guys that uh, John Shire was already relating to. Um, obviously the NBA uh, and USA basketball connection isn't going to be there with John Shire like it was with Coach K. But I think it's a good hire. Uh, it's kind of risky just because he's younger. But I'm really excited to see how he goes. He's probably my favorite player to ever play for Duke. Um, he beat uh, – Unfortunately, he beat Butler. Uh, but that was before I was a Butler fan. So, you know what? I, I still love John Shire. He's still got a soft place in my heart. Yeah, I'm uh, super excited about the John Shire hire. Like Nicholas, I'm a huge Shire fan. He got me into college basketball. So I was. I'm, I think, honestly, like Coach K has kind of bred Shire for this. And I've been saying, like, from, like, a, for a while now, since Shire was, became, like, the head assistant, head recruiter, that uh, like he would be perfect to once Coach K steps down, just get Shire in there. I, I like it because he, he's like like Schultz said, he's super young, um, and I think Duke kind of wants that guy to like start the next dynasty at Duke. Kind of like that, like I mean, obviously it's Duke. They already have like a, a sick program, but kind of step into there and just like keep them where they're at um, and just keep like winning championships, pretty much. I think something else that helped this hire was that none of the other like coach k tree guys really stood out as like one obvious choice you have hurley at arizona state who's had like kind of success but he's gotten some good five stars and players and they've always kind of underperformed and overperform in the tournament just a little bit by like just going to like maybe the sweet 16 and you have guys like uh tommy amaker was he's a horrible amaker. Yeah, yeah amaker was probably the i read that he was their top option from harvard and I, that would just be i feel like that would have been way too much of a step up for amaker in terms of recruiting and uh, I think he would have been the only other choice that Duke was really considering um, from a success standpoint, because just based off of what Amaker had to the success that he found, I think that would have been the most obvious choice where like Collins at Northwestern, shout out Aiden. Uh, he's been underperforming, to be honest. He's gotten some great teams that are great players that haven't really performed. Obviously the big 10 is more of a gauntlet, but I think it's, I think the underperformance from these other coaches really helped them decide that, you know what, might as well take a shot on John Shire because these other guys aren't really sticking themselves up to the top or yeah. uh, like showing that there's one clear choice. Dawkins is at UCF too, right? He was a Duke guy. Uh, he was there. I don't know if he's still there. I think okay. he is. He was there with Taco Fall. So I'm assuming yeah, he's yeah. still there. Gotcha. And I yeah, think I think it's a good option. I mean, Coach K, definitely a legend. 
and you get a guy that played under Coach K, was the captain, won a championship, has been an assistant under him, and now has made his way up to be the head assistant and head recruiter. And plus you get this year of transition where it's not like Coach K just retired today on the spot. He's still got another year. He's still going to be able to breed him more into, like, the role, and I'm sure that he'll give him more – reins on things to kind of prepare more um, and kind of give some of the younger guys that'll still be around kind of like the feel like he's going to be your guy next year. Um, Things like that. And, and like in terms of recruiting, you already have a guy. It's not like you're, it's like, all right, he's retiring next year, but who are you going to bring in? So like you already have that as a recruiter. Like you think you're still going to be playing? I don't think. Yeah, you, I think, you think they're still going to be pulling five stars. Yeah, I think it's, they're still going to do one and dones. I don't think it's going to change anything. That was it's a good still, point. I bet this year, like John Shire is probably going to be like the head coach. Like he's going to be one A. Coach K is going to be like the figurehead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'll be kind of just a cap off kind of year, like end of an era. Roy Williams. Yeah, I was going to say that too. Like Duke and. UNC both losing legendary coaches, bringing in people that have been around the program. They have to retire. Bayheim and Hamilton are probably not too far away. All the ACC coaches are going down. It's going to be weird. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy. And of course, you know he at least will get a send off. Danny Ainge, not so much. Celtics, of course, sent home. <laughs> but if you hadn't heard that news either, uh, Danny Ainge stepped down. Brad Stevens, no longer the head coach, but he's now the president of basketball operations, so it kind of fell upwards there. Uh, I'll kind of kick this one off. I really, really like the idea of Brad Stevens in this role. Uh, I feel like with his recruiting experience, with his experience running Butler's program, I feel like that's going to be super, super beneficial. And I do think bringing in a new coach for them too could end up really helping things. They've got some really interesting roster questions coming up. You know, uh, Kemba's been hurt all year uh the contract's not looking exactly the best Jalen Brown of course got hurt Tatum's a superstar at this point I feel comfortable saying that so you've got a lot of very very interesting roster decisions there to make going forward I feel like there isn't a guy really that understands that roster better than outside of maybe Danny Ainge than Brad Stevens yeah I I mean I think it was smart to keep it in-house I don't think the Celtics whole organization needed to blow up blow up so I think keeping at least a little bit of continuity there is good maybe just a fresh idea fresh uh, mind in the front office is kind of what they're I'm assuming that's what they're looking for so yep. if anything Brad Stevens at the minimum can give them that is just new ideas uh, I know Celtics fans I've talked to one of our good friends Kevin he's a huge Celtics fan he's pretty excited about the Brad Stevens hire uh, and if I'm Brad Stevens I'm pretty excited that I don't have to coach anymore and I just kind of <laughs> Fell up, as you said, Aiden, into yeah. more money and an even more comfortable position. He's That guy, IU fans, you heard it here first, he is never, ever, ever going to be your head coach now. <laughs> if there's any doubt What's now, up, Kylie? I think, watch him like 20 years from now. <laughs> 20 years from now, he comes up and he's like, hey, remember this, idiot? <laughs> if anything, I don't know. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see where the Celtics go. Hopefully it doesn't go well because they're in the East and I don't want to deal with them. Yeah, a really interesting thing I saw after was Tatum saying that he wants Evan Turner as the head coach. 
which I thought was really weird, but I didn't realize he was an assistant this past year. And I mean, he's been around the game. Really? Yeah. And I mean, you want to keep your best player happy. And I mean, I think he'll definitely get some consideration, but I'm not sure he's the best option. That's a shitty thing to do. I'm going if if I'm them, I mean I get it. Players do that all the time. Sam Cassell's like the first person yeah. I'm calling. That's a guy who he's due. He really is due for a coaching hire. I saw uh, Lloyd Pierce, I wanna say, was a potential one as well as Kenny Atkinson. I don't like either. I'd like Atkinson a little bit more, but I don't want to hire a guy that just got fired and the team then significantly improved after he was gone. <laughs> so that's just not I think you need some you need some fr- either fresh blood again or someone like a Van Gundy or a Mark Jackson that hasn't been a, like in coaching for a little bit to make their return there. But it's it's definitely that that to me that becomes the hottest job. Like I don't I don't know where else, you know, if if I have the option between going there or going to like Portland, I don't think they're going to fire anyone, but Indiana. you know Indiana Indiana like <laughs> I I really don't Boston's see- roster's a lot better. And, and they have flexibility there too, you know, with Jalen Brown. Uh, there are questions, you know, I heard this last night. Can the two Tatum and Brown, can they really go to the next level together? Both phenomenal players. To me, that's kind of a dumb question to ask considering they've been to three of the last four Eastern Conference finals, I want to say. But yeah. there is a ton of pieces there to work with. It's not like you're in this long-term cap crunch with aging players or any of that. So I guess we'll – yeah, I'm, I'm going to add – I'm going to add one thing to this. This is kind of an open topic because I was talking about this about my mom earlier today, actually. Like, especially, like, this has all to do with, like, NBA coaches. Like, do you think an NBA coach, like, really makes that big of an impact on a team? Yes. Or are they more of kind of like a figurehead? Yes. Because no. I'm thinking, like, college, like, they have, like, such, like, a big impact compared to, like, what the NBA is. What do you guys think? Uh, I, I can just tell you 100% they do from – if you watched a Bucks game with Jason Kidd and a Bucks game with Mike Budenholzer, it's night and day, and the roster is pretty much the exact same. And there's a reason why the Bucks went from a six or seven seed every year to a top three seed for the past three years with Budenholzer. I think that's the obviously the Bucks like have the best player with Giannis, and he got even better with Mike. But that's just one example. Uh, there's also examples where teams underperform with the or overperform with their not as good of roster. Popovich is a great example with that, and same with Spolstra. These are guys that kind of take not as much talent and are able to create schemes and systems and the X's and O's, especially late game management and things yep. like that. There's a lot of really important things that uh, not experienced coaches and not as good coaches can't really do. I'm sure Aiden has a lot more to put in on this. But yeah. Just personal experience, Mike Budenholzer. So I, th- kid is- I think the impacts are, they're a little different here. Uh, I would say Overall, they're probably pretty similar just because in college you have the recruiting piece. In college, you have the actual roster building piece, and that is a guarantee. You're not going to, you know, your assistant coaches can help you with that, but you're not having, you don't have a general manager. Like it's you, they're coming to play for you. You're not legally paying them, but you're probably paying them something. But at the end of the day, it's not like you have contracts that you're signing with these players. Whereas in the NBA, you're pretty much, you're given these pieces and it's like, okay, you know, go out there, do things. With me, the biggest difference I noticed is once Washington eventually fires Scott Brooks, take a look at that team the year following. They have a ton of talent on that roster. I noticed the same exact thing when Oklahoma City went from Scott Brooks to Billy Donovan. And even honestly, from Billy Donovan to Mark Deneau, I mean, we had the 
we had the worst record in the league last year or one of them, but I felt better about the coaching system than I frankly ever have because there was movement again, there was plays, the guys weren't, you know, moping around and complaining because they lost, they were the worst team in NBA history. So I think in the NBA on the court, the impact is a lot more significant than in college, but overall I'd say pretty even with the roster piece. You could even argue that college is there's more figurehead examples yeah. Uh, you can be a great recruiter and then have horrible, horrible in-game management, but just keep your job for so long because you're just constantly pulling these five stars in that kind of uh, keep you at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, Perry's not a great example, but he's definitely more of a recruiter than an in-game coach type of guy. Tom Crean. We've seen that. Yeah, Tom Crean's a great, great, a great example. One. That's the best example because he's been around for forever. He's got keeps getting programs. And the guy's not a great X's and O's guy, but he can recruit the hell out of anywhere he goes, mostly because he pays. But yeah. <laughs> and probably. like you, you can see that too in NFL to college football as well. Like guys that yeah. try to make the jump, and like Bill O'Brien, for example, he tried doing both. Uh, he was a pretty good coach for a while. And then he tried getting involved in the roster construction side, like what he was at for Penn State's rebuild and blew the entire thing up. So it's, they each have pros and cons but definitely an interesting one to think yeah, about I, th- I thought it was an interesting yeah. question so i figured i'd throw it out there yeah definitely an interesting one so now on to on to the hoops uh net celtics as of us recording this ended last night uh of course you know different head coach next year uh shout out tatum i mean that whole tel- i think romeo langford too after to me he's someone that i think might next year be favored for most improved player I understand that's a lot to say after, you know, just a few playoff games, but I am going to be really, really looking at him next year as one of those key contributors for them off of either off of the bench or in a starting position that, you know, he hasn't had an off season yet. He's had Mm -hmm. two COVID off seasons and he he's really, frankly, like I was super impressed last night specifically. So I guess we'll start there. We'll probably keep that one short since it's, since it's over, uh, anything you guys want to add on Mets Celtics? Yeah, I, think uh, really, I mean, it was fun to watch Tatum drop dropping fifty bombs. That was pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, you know, that guy is one of the best one-on-one players like in the league. He is insane, so creative with his moves to the basket, um, and his three-point jumper is pretty consistent. Yeah, which I was surprised about because usually I feel like that was one of the weak points in this game. But he's so young; he's twenty-two or twenty-three. Um, that guy is going to have a bright, bright future and a long career. <laughs> I think the biggest takeaway from this series, just from an NBA playoff standpoint, is that the Nets just had to play one extra game. Um, that's the only takeaway I'm taking from this series because I'm focused on the next one that starts on Saturday. Uh, and I think we can kind of leave it there. Um, the Nets kind of showed that they can rely on different players and not all three of them have to have a great game in order to win against the Celtics, but whether that happens against the Bucks is in a different case. Um, one other thing that I just wanted to add real quick is Kyrie had did Kyrie had his best game against the Celtics in the game they lost. Is that correct? I think that's correct, right? Yeah, pretty sure. He put up like – he had his highest scoring output, I should say. I'm pretty sure. So that's the other thing. I think they're definitely going to need Harden and KD to kind of carry this team. I don't think Kyrie is going to be the one that can shoulder – with the other two playing bad. And I think that's probably my biggest takeaway from that one loss, along with them just losing, so they had to play the extra game. 
Yeah, I've got just a couple things. One was kind of going off your Romeo Langford chatter. Um, you cannot have that dude on Kevin Durant, bro. He was just drilling threes right in his mouth every time. Like, I understand his niche in the NBA right now, since his offense isn't there, is being a solid defender. And he has been against other people, but against Kevin Durant as a guy that like barely plays off the bench without injuries is just not going to do anything for you. And then secondly was I noticed even when the Nets had big leads, they had the big three in there. Um, You can tell they're still kind of working on the chemistry because they've only had like 15 games together. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, they looked good, but, like those are all guys that have had injury issues, especially this year. And like when you're up 30, it's just got to be tough as a Nets fan seeing them in there. I thought the same thing too last night. I hate to jump around here, but with Chris Paul getting hurt again last night against the Lakers, it was kind of the same thing. It's like you're up 30. I get it's like the second quarter, which is ridiculous. We'll get into that later on, but you know, it's, kind of crazy how they need to say in those games because you know it is the playoffs and they are still working on working on these things uh i guess before we get into bucks heat who do we before we break down that one for like two seconds who do we like in this next series between nets and the bucks what are we what what are we leaning here uh that dante loss is big yeah dante is a good defender um schultz you can go you can take this one first uh, I mean, I'm going to be biased. I, based on how we looked against the Buck or uh, the Heat, I don't see any reason why we shouldn't. I don't know if we're the favorites, but I don't see any reason why they, anybody should be surprised if the Bucks win this series. And I also think this is the first time the Bucks have played in the playoff series where they're going to be the underdog for the past like two and a half seasons. So that's really going to take the pressure off of Giannis too. Uh, we're not expected to win the series, so therefore, maybe that everybody plays a little looser, a little more. Uh, I don't know, not looking. It's To be honest, it's going to depend on whether or not Bryn Forbes hits his threes, Bobby Portis hits his threes, PJ Tucker can stay out of foul trouble to guard KD for points where Giannis is like taking a break while he's still on the court where he can focus more on offense. It's things like that. And obviously Dante's injury is big, but uh, Pat Connaughton played really, really well in the playoffs or in the first round. Um, we have a bunch of guys that are going to be able to play that too. And if anything, we can also start P.J. Tucker and then just have Middleton play too. And because pretty much the Bucks are going to be switching one through four that entire uh, game anyway. So it's really not that big of a deal. It's more just one extra body that's switching. And obviously Dante's big loss, big hustle guy. But I like the Bucks in this series if we continue the shooting just based off of form. Um, that's my biggest thing. If the form continues, then I don't see a, chance, a reason why we shouldn't win. I've actually got the Bucks as well, and here's why. I think that the Bucks are uh, – like, their three guys are both two-way players. They both can do it on both sides. And the Nets are more offensive-focused. Um, I mean, Kyrie's a pretty solid defender, but KD and Harden just – are not that solid on the defensive end. And I don't think they have anyone that's going to be able to stop Giannis. And if 
I mean, Middleton was shooting lights out against the Heat, and Drew Holiday's always solid. So I honestly think the X factor will be Joe Harris in this series. Um, I think if the Bucks are able to kind of limit him with keeping the big three kind of on a lower end of a big night, I think they'll pull away with this series. But I think it'll go deep. I think Brandon Jennings said it best. Bucks and six. Uh, bringing that one back, a little throwback for you guys. But uh, I just – I don't like that the Nets are going to have to rely on DeAndre Jordan a lot and bigs to rebound and guys to defend. That just really concerns me. Like, I think that the Nets offensively is like they're insane. They're really, really good. But I, I just think the Bucs match up really really well against them uh i don't see it being a blowout by any means i think it'll be a really really close six game series but i do think milwaukee's gonna end up taking it in the end just because of you know you have the bigs there um you like Giannis. if Giannis shows up too that would be huge but i have confidence that the other guys are going to be able to show up just simply because of who's guarding them uh i don't think there isn't really someone that you can't you can only hide on maybe one person like hide one of Kyrie or Harden on someone but that guy can still shoot so when they slide in to play help defense on Giannis driving or something like that it's you just kick it out to either like the best corner three-point shooter in the history of the league or one of the other guys that can shoot it so I, I got bucks and six I I think the Nets are ultimately going to win the series I'll be rooting for the Bucks, but I think like Honestly, when I'm thinking of Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, like, I don't care how good your defense is, good luck trying to guard Kyrie's handles, good luck trying to stop James Harden one-on-one, and good luck trying to stop Kevin Durant, who's probably the best scorer in the league. So, I think we're going to see a lot of fouls, too, yeah. um, just from the Nets trying to defend Giannis driving and some of the other guys driving. That, to me, like, I think foul trouble is going to be huge. And that's kind of like the uh, – that Trailblazer series a little bit too. It's like Nurkic goes out and they're pretty much toast because of Jokic cooking them over and over. Uh, Bucks Heat, we ain't even going to talk about that one. It's over. Uh, it was a sweep. Heat culture. Uh, shout out Heat culture. Shout out Heat shout culture. Shout out Drew Holiday. Oh Drew Holiday was the best player. Oh was my the best player. He was MVP of that series. That's all I have to say. Drew Holiday yeah. turned into a top 15 player in the league on that in that series. I don't think he has but overall. Eric Bledsoe is still better. Eric <laughs> a corpse. Absolutely. All right, so got two more Eastern Conference series. Once uh, Sixers, Wizards. Of course, we got news today as well that Embiid has a partial tear of his meniscus and will not be playing tonight. Is that that's correct, right? That that's is correct. correct. Yeah. So he will be not playing for Game Five. Uh, how do we think that affects things? Just for this series, we won't necessarily go too far in the future because we'll probably do another coming up here. But just do we think? Do we like the Sixers to take it tonight, or are we starting to sweat a little bit here? I mean, that's your MVP guy. Like that's your guy. If I'm this, if I'm a Sixers fan, I'm still not like too nervous. Like you're up three one. You were up three zero. Like they snagged that last game. But honestly, if they drop tonight then I'm nervous. Then I'm like, oh, shit. Like, we, we don't have Embiid. Like, we're all out of sync. And I don't know, Tobias Harris has got to step up. 
Simmons Simmons hasn't been scoring that much. He's I know he's been raking up the assists. Yeah. Um, but his his scoring is really low. I think he's got to get his. That's been his thing up. all season. Yeah. He hasn't really done shit all season. Yeah. Like, I, I guess, but I he's don't know. I mean, assist. So who's their other scorers then? They're, uh, they're like Curry, a collective guy. Seth Curry, Maxi. Um, see other. I feel like they had another. Uh, I mean, Tobias Harris too. I think it really. Yeah. Danny Green it comes down. Tobias to Harris is the one that's really sticking out to me. But, Tobi- uh, I mean, Tobias, I think, is the only ISO scorer they have at this point. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. If they drop this game, if I'm a Sixers fan, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Uh, I still think they won the series regardless. They played a lot of the season without uh, Embiid to begin with. So they're pretty used to playing without him. They went on, what was it? They, he was out for a month, in it, I think, and they didn't really drop like any games on the one seed. So. In terms of that, I think they're fine. If I'm a Sixers fan, the only thing I'd be upset about is having to play those extra games so you're a little more tired. Uh, the only solace you'll take from that is the fact that um, the Hawks are probably going to win this next Hawks series, but they're going to be exhausted after just being wrecked for five or six games or seven games, depending on how it goes. So, But I think that's going to be the biggest storyline um, from Embiid because the way that they're – Phrasing it sounds like he's going to come back, which I'm not a doctor, but I don't. I wouldn't want to play on a torn meniscus or a partially torn meniscus. Um, but I don't know. I think he'll be okay. So if he is, then the biggest storyline is rest for these other guys. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers looked broken when he went down. They kind of came back towards the end, but I mean – Simmons is not going to do – he's not going to put up points for you. Tobias is nice. He's been getting double-doubles. I'll probably hit a player performance double for him. Double-double <laughs> and Sixers to win. But, I mean, I think them coming back home will really help kind of close right, it out Where's the game being played tonight? It's in Philly. Philly. It's in Philly? Yep. I think that's going to help. tonight. They went tonight. They go back to Washington. I'd be pretty nervous. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be nervous. It's 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 a weird one. Um, I think we should uh, Hawks Knicks wrap up the Eastern Conference. Of course, by the time you guys listen to these, uh, we're gonna be talking about games that have already happened. So it's <laughs> gonna be interesting to see how uh, right or completely wrong we are. Uh, Hawks Knicks. What's happened so far? And where are we where are we going from here? RJ and Julius didn't show up. That's what happened in the series. But Julius uh, didn't show up. That's yeah, no, Julius, I was really disappointed in. You know, I thought New York kind of found their star. And, you know, a big moment came and he didn't show up. So it's the way it goes. I think the series is over. I think they lose tonight at home, honestly. I'm on that train too. The garden's rocking, so I think the atmosphere will be up, but I think the team itself is pretty demoralized after they just needed one in Atlanta. And then I feel like yeah. it would have been completely fine. Uh, putting Derrick Rose in the starting lineup was a smart idea. That should have been a game one idea. Um, I don't know. I, I'm hoping for just a seven game series. I, Cause I, this is series is still a fun series to watch regardless of the fact that it's three to one. So I'm just hoping it keeps going um, because the other series in this, in the East have kind of been all, 
They've been boring. They've all been boring. Yeah. So, I don't know. Shout out Trey Young. He's been a villain of New York, and it's honestly, it's pretty fun to see. He's done a great job leading that team. It's night and day when he's on and off the court. So, uh, no matter how bad that guy plays defense, his offense makes up for it. So. And Bogdan Bogdanovich is a stud. He is a three-point corner sniper. He's, he's worth the money. And John Collins, too, is yeah. getting himself yes. paid right now. I had doubts about him coming into this, especially with this free agency looming. But he is he's made himself a lot of money. Or he's made teams a lot more comfortable with paying him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I think the Hawks look really good really good right now. Like, I'm really impressed by the Hawks. I didn't think they were that good because they're so young. And I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a Sixers fan. I'm worried about the Hawks, regardless Definitely. of Embiid. But if Embiid's not 100%, that is a scary, that is a scary, scary team. The Knicks, <laughs> I think, are going to win this game in Madison Square Garden. It's been absolutely electric, and they hate Trey Young. I think that's the reason they win tonight. Um, and then I think they go back to the A, and it gets wrapped up there. But <laughs> – that's all I got for this. I think I'll I'll hop in real quick, wrap this one up, and then we'll bump it over to the West. Uh, I I still think Julius Randle's the star. I just don't think he's a number one. Uh, I think they still need that guy. I don't know if RJ can get there. Maybe he can. It's still really, really early in his career, though. I still feel as if they need that one more guy. I'm thinking Hawks wrap it up tonight. And I honestly, I really like how the Sixers match up with them. Just because of the amount of perimeter defenders that that Sixers roster has, it is insane. Like, the Knicks match up a lot worse against the Hawks than the Sixers would have. Just due to the amount of, like, you know, you have Thibel, you have Green, you have Simmons. Just those three alone, you're taking people away immediately. Um, So it's, it's it's been a fun one to watch. Definitely been electric. I really like Clint Capella coming out last night or two nights ago and saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're going to end your season. Like I absolutely love that. It's been a while since I feel like I've heard something like that before, but just really kind of upfront outgoing. I like the Hawks to end it tonight, but still it's been, I, I want more games though. That's the deal. Cause this is, if this series can never end, that would be perfect. Yeah. I think this is a budding rivalry in the East. They're both teams on the come up, both young I think they'll be seeing each, plenty of each other moving forward. Definitely. Bumping over to the West now. Uh, all four of those series are still going. Uh, we'll start with Jazz Grizzlies. That one is being played tonight, game five. Uh, it's currently three to one Jazz at the time of recording this. It'll be four yeah. to one Jazz after the recording. This game, this series is over. Uh, they're just outmatched. The Jazz are just a better team overall. They have more. They're just better. I don't know how to, how else you wanted me to say it, but John Morant's proven that he's a star, and that's pretty much all the Grizzlies needed from this series. I think they've gotten that playoff experience, and now we know John Morant is for real. He just needs to get in the gym and shoot fucking three point shots because he is broke as hell from back there. Yeah, I think it's definitely the series is over, but I think it's definitely a good sign if you're a Grizzlies fan. I mean, they're a super young team. They've, I mean, they've been pretty much in every game. Even when they go down big, they come back and make it close, and they just don't have it to close out the number one seed. 
Um, you could really tell when Donovan Mitchell came back that it was a whole nother dynamic. And mm-hmm. I mean, he's a superstar. And then you got defensive player of the year in the back. So, I mean, they just got outmatched. But I think I'm really excited if I'm a Grizzlies fan. I mean, Jaw's going to be an absolute stud. Dylan Brooks broke out this year. And as long as Jaron Jackson can stay healthy, you got a pretty solid trio that you can build around for the future. Yeah, I've been I've been extremely impressed by them. Uh, I didn't think it would really play out the way it has. Uh, I thought number of games, assuming it, let's assume it ends tonight, that doesn't surprise me too much, number of games. I'm just surprised at how competitive every single game has been, even when it gets away. Like, there is absolutely no quit in that team uh they're gonna have not much cap space next year too they'll have roughly the same team here maybe minus justice winslow but doesn't really do much for them anyways so it's uh it's been fun to watch i was not expecting like i said the competitive nature of that team so credit to them hats off to them uh jamarat stud so Uh, On to their eventual opponents, the Utah Jazz, either the Clippers or the Mavericks. This truly has been a tale of two teams, specifically, I want to say, for the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, They had the two super, super hot scoring performances in the first two games, and then no more. Yeah, I mean, Luke has been – looks like he's been banged up. I don't know if it happened this series or before, but it looks like it's starting to affect him more. Um, and he's got that ugly tape on. It looks like they're really piecing him together to try to fight out there. And, I mean, Chris Stapps just isn't a star anymore. He's just, like, I don't know. He's he's just soft, and you're 7'3". Like, you should be in there bodying people. Like, you're the biggest guy on the court you can step out and make shots like i don't know he's he's got to be doing a lot more and hardaway's got himself paid for next year for sure um but i think the clippers have kind of found their groove and they've just got more talent i think and they're going to i think they win the next two honestly and close out the series the clippers just have more weapons and that's what it's coming down to there's more scoring options outside of luka there's really nobody else that can score just with the ball in their hands uh, where the Clippers just can go at you with several different options. Luca, it just feels like deja vu with Luca, where he just gets worked too hard and he just picks up an injury. And then this series is kind of over. That's how it was last year in the bubble. And that's how it looks like it's going to pan out again. If he was a hundred percent healthy. I wish he was because this series probably would be another, like I'm sure they'd be putting up their normal point. Uh, percentages, but it's just tough to see the Mavs coming back if Luka's not 100%, which I really doubt he's ever going to be 100% for the rest of the series. Um, and like I said, the Clippers just have way too many options where they can go for scoring. Um, I think that's ultimately going to be... I honestly think they close it out. What is it, 2-2? I think yep. it goes 6. I don't think it goes 7. I agree with that. Uh, you know, I think with Luka, I definitely think the injuries affecting him. I don't think a healthy Luka... Maybe he gets another game, but I don't think it changes the outcome of the series. You know, he dropped 44 in game three. They lose. Um, so it's I, – I think it really – it comes down to Porzingis. 
not good anymore. That contract is looking horrendous at the moment. Uh, and I'm sure the Knicks are pretty happy that they got off of him. I I don't know how comfy I feel about the Clippers making it uh, to the finals at this point. Uh, we'll see how they look tonight, but they definitely haven't uh, maybe feel good about my previous pick. Uh, yeah, you know, shoot with the even what did I have Clippers Sixers. Was that the mm-hmm. yeah I had Clippers Sixers and uh, really the Sixers Embiid of course got hurt, so we ain't looking so good there. But uh, I do like the Clippers' chances of finishing this off pretty quickly. I mean, we'll see if once you guys listen to this. Hopefully, it's three to two Clippers. If not, I'm going to be eating my words here. Uh, Suns Lakers, <laughs> speaking of injuries, oh my lord, this series is full of them, but great action so far. And we had our first, I want to say, true blowout of the playoffs last night, surprisingly, with the Suns blowing out the Lakers with an injured Chris Paul by 30. Well, besides the three of the four games that the Bucks played, yeah, yeah blowouts. Uh, but yeah, that it's is. actually absurd, like, how bad the Lakers look without AD at times. They look lost yesterday. Like, it was, like, I watched the first quarter, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to catch up on some sleep because I didn't, re- I didn't have NBA TV, and I was going to go plug in my laptop to my TV when I was already in bed, so I wasn't going to go watch that. I regret doing that because I would have loved to watch that Dame show that we'll talk about in a little bit. But, yeah, the Suns look like the real deal when AD's not playing, which doesn't really tell you shit about the Suns. Yeah. But um, the, the Lakers need AD back. If I'm a Lakers fan, the one thing that would just piss me the hell off is just watching LeBron walk off with five minutes left. Um, it's just like I understand the game's over. And, like, it's probably not that big of a deal. But, first of all, it's going to add a second storyline to that game. And everybody's going to be like, did LeBron give up on the team? Blah, 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 blah. It's going to do another storyline. And then they're just going to be talking about the rest of the team and how LeBron gave up on the team. And that's just going to add extra distractions to the rest of the season or the rest of the series for this team. And Dennis Schroeder has also just played himself out of $80 million. So, shout out Dennis Schroeder for that one. He declined the four-year $84 million contract (laughs) earlier in the year. Yeah. I mean, this, I don't know. I've been shocked that Trez just hasn't played the last four games. I mean, he won six man of the year last year, probably was up there this year. I understand maybe he's a bad matchup in this series, but, I mean, obviously what you got going right now is not working. And, I mean, he's a solid player, I think, I'd rather have him out there than Gasol or Drummond's been looking lost out there too. Um, I mean, I understand LeBron, whatever that like, I'm sure he was probably getting ankle treatment or I don't know. It was definitely a bad look, but I think I really want to see Suns Jazz Western Conference Finals. I hope that Chris Paul can finally stay healthy in the playoffs. Not stay healthy, but get back to healthy and then remain healthy. Um, he just – every year in the playoffs, he just gets hurt. And, it, like, I mean, with the Rockets, they had a couple runs going. They could have beaten the Warriors if he wasn't – didn't get hurt that year. So, I hope he can stay healthy. And I think Jazz Suns would be absolutely electric. Those are two young teams that, you know, historically haven't been up there. And they're not – even as the one and two seeds, they still aren't getting all the hype. They're not getting the praise that they deserve. And, I mean, 
both teams stay healthy, they were the two best teams in the NBA in the regular season. I think it would just be really exciting. And it was definitely one of the best games that I saw during the regular season. So I'd be excited to see a seven-game series. And Donovan Mitchell going up against Devin Booker head-to-head would be absolutely electric. Yeah, and, you know, shout out shout out the Suns. Uh, really, really impressed with them. I uh, want to talk about them a little bit before I get to shit on the Lakers' decisions a tiny bit. Uh, Cameron Payne unbelievable i cannot believe he became a contributor after his second season his rookie year i was very high on the man dance partner of russell westbrook before every game of course but you also had you know him as a solid contributor kind of fell off a little bit then all of a sudden he's like he's the shit off of the bench team just kind of comes alive when he's in the game uh can't quite take cp3's minutes when cp3's hurt but been really impressive. I think if both teams were fully healthy, I don't – I still see the Suns winning at six. I think the AD and Chris Paul injuries kind of cancel out to me. Uh, Suns are a completely different team with Chris Paul on the floor, even when he's not healthy, just being able to direct traffic. But if he is healthy, though, that adds a whole nother element to their offense. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, also super impressive. On the Lakers' side, I think next game – Let's assume you have AD. He's either starting at center or you're starting Marcus Hull at center. You need Horton Tucker and you need Caruso guarding Chris Paul and Devin Booker. There's been too much kind of beating around the bush of, oh, we can get away with one or two of them, maybe guarding them. They are torching anyone and everyone that you throw at them. So you really need to change something there. And Montrezl Harrell needs to play more next game. I think last night in garbage time, he really earned himself more minutes, which is so messed up that he's in a position where he has to do that. I'm okay with not, maybe not playing the guy when things are going your way, but you knew pretty early on, like, hey, something needs to change with our big man rotation. And I think he could provide the spark for them that they need. But at the end of the day, I still like Suns and Six. And I mean, fingers crossed that. (laughs) <laughs> hopefully they finish it off uh final one portland and denver we are fresh hold on, off hold on. Of- i just gotta i gotta say one thing for the ghost of hallinan's laptop because his laptop died shout out how prepared he is uh just remind the people that suns nets are meeting in the chip and suns are winning and quote cp3 i'm back that's what he said there we go I can agree with the cp3 one even though he's <laughs> clearly not healthy portland denver uh damian lillard turned in the best playoff performance I have ever seen uh, live specifically. I mean, honestly, like legendary, absolutely legendary stuff from them. Denver, I don't know why you do not foul when he is continuously doing those things to you. You are down three with eight seconds for the love of God. Foul Damian Lillard, please. <laughs> like just the, the Nuggets announcer just like, and he hits it. <laughs> like, over even, and over. They weren't even surprised. They just didn't even – they weren't even surprised. Like, he just like, jumps. It, you had six opportunities, I want to say, where it's like, we have a lead. It's under 24 seconds. The lead is more than two points. We should foul this guy. It's like, nah, I'm going to hit a step back from half court again. Like, Denver tried. They tried to lose, but it's it's a tie game now. Uh, wait, no, it's uh, – what is it, 3-2? 3-2. Three, two. Three, two. Yeah, it's 3-2 now. It's so confusing with how they've been doing this series. Um, you've got some already done. You've got some just starting game five tonight. Uh, but Portland and Denver, 3-2 series. Portland gets to head home fresh off of a double OT loss 
in Denver at that elevation is Portland cooked? No, maybe. I don't know. It's Dame, so anything can happen. <clears throat> I think they need something from CJ. He's got to earn his like his Robin in the Batman Robin duo here, because he is not even remotely close to a number two on a, a playoff winning team. Uh, so if CJ can just like perform at a level that they need him to for the next two games and just take a little bit of that load off of Dame, I think they should be able to at least take game six in Portland. And then if CJ plays well and they have some other contributions from some of their other guys like Norm Powell, I don't see a reason why they don't go. I I don't see a reason why they can't get seven, get it in seven, but it's going to be tough because Damian Lillard, they, it literally just looks like there's like, okay, we give up. Like, Dame just comes to save us, and that's about it. So, I'd love to see Portland win this game just because I love watching Damian Lillard play basketball, and the more the merrier for him. And I think that series would be really fun to watch. But does it happen? I'm not 100% sure. I hope it does. I'm rooting for Portland in this series. Yeah, so the really interesting thing I saw from this series was – I think it was game three or four where Dame really was struggling and the rest of the team stepped up and they ended up smacking the Nuggets that game. I would like to see Portland put it all together where Dame has a really good game and all the rest of them step up too. Like Norman Powell. (laughs) Yeah, Norman Powell has shown that like he's very much capable of – dropping 25 like if he gets the chance and cj i mean i don't know i i agree with you i think they kind of just force it with i mean obviously dame and cj are your best options but if they're not hitting you don't have to force it you got other options um you know i really like norman powell like i think he's a really underrated two-way player in the league um, he was a big part of that Raptors championship. Um, and I think, I mean, he's the only one with finals experience on that team. I think he's really got to be the one to step up. And I think if he has a good game that they'll be able to potentially win the next two. Um, I mean, the Nuggets are just really, I mean, it would have been fun to see Jamal Murray play, mm-hmm. but they're just, I don't know. They're not going to yeah, do anything with, with him they're out. They're just not that interesting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're not interesting. I don't think either of them are that interesting in this next series. I think they both lose. But I'd rather just watch Damian Lillard play. So, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. I, think, I think Portland's kind of cooked at this point. I think they're going to be – they're going to have tired legs uh, from playing that much and losing. Uh, not that Denver won't be tired. I just, like – Denver more because they don't rely as heavily on jump shooting. Uh, they do have guys that can, you know, they have Jokic. So Jokic can do whatever you need him to do, including shooting threes. But I just, I feel more comfortable picking Denver here to kind of wrap up the series. I don't see any sort of further impact uh, for either of these teams though past it. But shout out Damian Lillard. I mean, what a performance. And then, you know, couldn't quite get it done, but not his fault whatsoever. So that is all the time that we have for this one. We will have more NBA playoff coverage as the rounds continue. Uh, also a special Euro edition 
coming up here soon too. So pretty exciting for uh, pretty exciting times coming up here. So uh, subscribe and that's all the time we got. Peace. Later.